folks, welcome back to Surprise Mechanics, the only podcast about movies. I'm your co-host, Roman Butel, and joining me, as always, is Michaela Jones. Greetings, Filmer, I see you. Greetings, Filmer, I see you. And, you know, this is, it might just be me, but does it feel like Halloween in April? It does, and I accidentally used my spooky mechanics name. I called myself Roman Butel, like a moron. You, you did. I noticed that. I noticed that. And that just contributed to the whole Halloween vibe I'm getting right now. Hello, everybody. I'm Michaela Bones. Mm-hmm. I am always saying Halloween is a state of mind. That's right. Uh, and and hey, remember last week when we said we were going to have two back-to-back episodes? We lied. Gotcha. Can't believe you fell for that. I mean, we have two back-to-back episodes this week. That's what we were really saying is it's this next week. It's a back-to-back episode. We can do this. Uh, we can do this all year. Yeah, I think we shouldn't even promise that, but it's coming sometime. <laughs> It doesn't really matter. It's just for our own pride. We feel like we got to make up. I can at least assure you there will be a tweet. (laughs) We're going to get canceled because of our old tweets promising the back to back episodes. (laughs) I am super excited for this one. This is a a movie I've been looking forward to for a very long time. Uh, I've uh, talked your ear off about it Uh, and I'm going to do it some more right now. Uh, And that's, of course, Evil Dead Rise, as you can see from the title. Uh, and this is a movie we were originally going to talk about on Spooky Mechanics 2022 because it was slated to be an HBO Max release, but it tested so well that they went theatrical, and I sure am happy they did because we saw it together opening night. And I don't want to speak for you, but I had a great time at the movies. I got to say, it really rose to the occasion. It was a great movie. I had a great time. It was fun. It was it was Michaela Roman and a bunch of goths. <laughs> That's true. At yes, this Thursday we, night showing of Evil Dead Rise. Well, it, it, was, it was really just it's really just Roman and the Goths that night, you know, because um, because like I was there yeah, too. That's right. I was with my crew. Hey, you know, uh, I have to defend myself here though a little bit. When we we took that personality test, you uh, shared around. I was pretty goth. That's true. I was pretty deep in the goth category. It, it kind of reminds me, honestly. I hope you don't take this the wrong way. It reminds me a little bit of how Nicolas Cage came out as goth. Uh, why would that offend me? That's the nicest thing you've ever said about me. <laughs> But yeah, like it, it really is just like, you know, a state of mind too, just like uh, just like Halloween. So you, you got it right there. Yeah. A couple goths going to see Evil Dead Rise. What's more alpha than just saying this is what I am? <laughs> the answer is nothing. The answer is nothing. Feast your eyes, world. Nick Cage is so cool. I think therefore I am. That's right. Here's what I think we should do for this one, because this is a, a really new movie. I think what we should do is do like a spoiler free review, then do like our verdict or do we recommend, and then we can close out the episode with like a spoiler discussion. And we'll just talk about whatever we want to talk about. We don't need to do like a, a deep dive on any everything. But uh, what do you think about that? Uh, I think that's pretty great. Audience, what do you think? Cool. Sounds like that's what we're going to do. Results are in. Who cares? I care. <laughs> I care. Meet audience member I just made up. So that's what we're going to do. Honestly, that audience member sounds an awful lot like you, Roman. Yeah. Yeah. It's me. It's just me yelling in a mirror all day. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So uh, let's do just a quick overview. What the heck is Evil Dead Rise? Well, for the first time, Evil Dead is headed to the big city, baby. You know, I realized this halfway through the movie when we saw it, that the subtitle rise is because it takes place in a high rise building that's right i felt really smart after coming to that realization an hour into the film 
<laughs> your, your media literacy meter just like ticked up. Oh, <laughs> the uh, the Skyrim like skill level up sound played and uh, media literacy went to level ninety nine finally. Yeah, it would suck living in the Skyrim world because your movie would keep getting interrupted by like people leveling up their sneak passively. You know, <laughs> you'd be sitting there and you just hear the noise and be like, "Shh." <laughs> Uh, <laughs> uh, Evil Dead Rise It follows a music tech named Beth Who goes to visit her sister El- Ellie For real though Ellie And her kids living in LA And while there one of the kids discovers the Necronomicon And guess what Releases a Kandarian demon that possesses Ellie And a whole bunch of other people and things Oh jeez Not again I hate when that happens for the fifth time Just kidding I love it I watch it every time I'm gonna watch it every time <laughs> <laughs> so with that being said let's get into what did we think about evil dead rise michaela do you want to start sure as y'all know or don't know i don't make the rules here i have seen all of the prior evil dead media there's evil dead evil dead 2 army of darkness and then there's an evil dead movie from 2013 and a television show that was unfortunately cut short called ash vs. evil dead I love all of those. Mm -hmm. And so if you're asking me for my thoughts on Evil Dead Rise, I might be a little biased because I feel like it captured those things that made those previous entries in this franchise uh, wonderful. Um, It captured a lot of those great things. And the entire time um, it was really interesting to watch i couldn't take my eyes off this movie even for a moment i'd get a text message and i'd be like "Ah, i can wait and um it's good you were in a theater well yeah that that is also etiquette so um i didn't feel compelled to follow etiquette because my eyes were glued to that big (laughs) screen though i'll say that that much you know um i really enjoyed this movie it was scary it was fun it was campy sometimes in just the right ways and ultimately i think that um i kind of want to go see it again oh big time i'm I'm so happy just real quick that you mentioned ash versus evil dead because i think ash versus evil dead gets left out of the conversation a lot and i get it it's not a movie but if we're talking like evil dead things ash versus evil dead is is so good uh and and uh it deserves a place in the conversation but to talk about evil dead rise one thing I would like to say is the whole cast of this movie is so good. Uh, they're just all excellent. And the family is super charming. And it does make you dread what you know is about to happen. We joked about that at the beginning of the movie. We're like, oh, these kids are all great. Sure, hope they don't get evil deaded. <laughs> uh, <laughs> now, that being said, Alyssa Sutherland, I think, absolutely steals the show. She plays Ellie. And Deadite Mommy is now one of my new favorite horror antagonists. She is so scary. She is so, so good at her job. Yeah. um, Genuine thrills and chills uh, came from this character. The the, the prologue of this film, like, again, this movie doesn't take very much time to get to the meat and potatoes of what makes a horror film. Um, But you do get to, like, get to know your characters a little bit. So it makes it all the more tragic when Ellie starts going on a demonic rampage and you realize it's not Ellie anymore. It's a demon. Mm-hmm. Um, and the actress uh, performing both of those parts, both you empathize with the mom's character a lot. And then uh, once that shift is made over into being possessed by a demon, 
wow, she delivered. She did wonderfully in that role. And the two sides are night and day. It's like a light switch turned. Um, the And, and I, I think on, on top of that, like you kind of have to give some kudos to the director. Like they, they definitely had a vision in mind for what they wanted for this demonically possessed mom. And it delivers some genuinely disturbing and, and tragic scares. Yes. Uh, to your point about like the time and pace of this movie, uh, this movie is, is like a tight 90 minutes, which I love. Uh, I love, I love a good 90 minute flick. Uh, and I will say that I'm, I am also a little selfish piggy and I was a little nervous going in that that was not going to be enough for me. And I was worried that it would feel too short, but the pacing in this thing is, is immaculate and it feels it feels perfect. And it, it, it felt longer than that in a good way. Um, our showing was at seven o'clock, right? So let's say it started at seven twenty, maybe seven twenty-five with trailers and what have you. At one point I checked the time just out of curiosity and it wasn't even eight o'clock yet. And I couldn't believe what we were seeing on the screen. <laughs> Cause I'm like, we're like a half hour in, and like, this is already what I'm watching. Yeah. I, I think it, it's a really important thing. You got a horror movie with good pacing because the way I felt at the end of the movie was like, that was it. Well, in, in the sense of like, that's how much time had passed. Not that that's where the movie ended. Right. Because I expected genuinely for the, the, the time to have been much longer and it to be like nine 30 or, or even later. And, um, not that this is a, I was expecting a three hour film, but I would I just, have watched I, it. I just expect that like, Oh yeah, I, I would have gotten out of here much later than I actually did. And when I was watching the movie, I just felt like, no, this is, this is, this is going, it's great. Um, I still had the, plenty of time to come over and tuck you in, which is way easier now that you live closer. I know, right? I, I was using a lot of gas money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and now finally I can save you some gas dollars. Yeah. But no, uh, genuinely the 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 pacing of the movie. I remember you pulling your phone out and checking that time, and me being like, "It's it's really been just that amount of time that has passed. It hasn't been longer because we're like we're like in the thick of it." And I think that like that's the thing that horror movies really need to nail down. You want to you, mm-hmm. you, you sit down to watch a horror movie and you do like an hour of uh, a first act to set things up and then like a 45 minutes to do the rest of the fun. Why is like a good chunk of your horror movie not the fun part? And I think that this really nails that the fun part of the horror movie is when all the scary things are happening. Right. And it gets straight to it. Right. There are certain horror movies that can get away with and should be slow burn. Evil Dead is not one of those movies. No. An Evil Dead movie is, should not be slow burn horror. Um, well, I'm, I'm also thinking of like, you know, your, your typical like like monster movies or slasher movies, like your, your movies that follow the generic tropes. When you get something that like wants to like explore themes and, and start to like um, really kind of put some sort of like subtext at play and there's a lot more going on in the story and the characterizations, then yeah, slow burn's the way to go. But like... We, we get like a little hint of these characters and then we have motivations and we have uh, traumas and, and um, you know, issues between each other that kind of drive some things in this movie. Mm-hmm. And that's all we need. Right. I agree completely. Uh, I also, um, well, I should say on another note, just incredible movie making in general in this thing. The cinematography was awesome. The sound design was top notch. And and one of the many reasons I've developed such a love for horror is because the best titles utilize the genre that they exist in to the fullest. 
and this is no exception. Uh, I don't know why I, I I don't know why that is the way it is, but it does feel to me like genre works are more open to like playing in the space they live in. Yeah, I I would second all of those comments on cinematography, sound design. Um, they they had some really good ideas for this movie, and there are there are shots that just the shot on its own was a genuine surprise i like this isn't really a spoiler when the title of the film literally oh rose God. out from behind the tree line at the beginning of the film you and i both just like our reaction was like oh my gosh this is yeah th- there there you go you did it you did it lee you had it yeah. made right there that's that's awesome that's great yep. i love that and it's such a little thing but i think for film nerds like us it, it it's really impactful but uh, it is um a real tone setting moment combined with all wonderful uses of sound design as well. Um, The, the way that the filmmakers used all of those elements to just really put you on edge for 90 minutes, nonstop. Mm -hmm. it, It needed to have proficiency in all of those places in order for it to put you on edge for 90 minutes non-stop right and then it just continues to get more creative with the ways that it can disturb you right i just wanted to add there there was just just from our two seats in the theater it was just a chorus of chuckles and guffaws the whole time uh including one part one specific shot that you and i it got a big reaction out of us and i don't know if it's because we laughed so hard uh, that it drowned out everyone else, but it felt like everyone else's reaction was more muted and it surprised me because uh, on on the scale from Evil Dead 2 to Evil Dead 2013, this dead, this one definitely leans more towards 2013, but it's not totally humorless. There were some moments that were a little silly and funny, including one shot that all I will say is it's got that Sam Raimi stank. Oh, uh, they do a oh, thing yeah. and you're just like, oh, there it is. And, and we both got a real kick out of that. Uh, and, and It's the kind of thing that um, <laughs> we, we talked about it after the film. And you had said, like, if I was physically there watching these events unfold, that happening in real life in front of me. I would have still laughed. Yes. Horrified, but it would have made me laugh really hard yeah. because like, what else are you going to do? I just would have lost my sanity in that moment. Just like, okay, right. yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. You, you take like a, a infinite psyche damage and then like, okay, now what? I guess I run. Yes. But um, I, I, I think <laughs> I'm, it's I'm incredible. I'm the kid in hereditary. How... Just like, okay, throwing myself out the window. <laughs> I, but I think it's incredible that you have that Sam Raimi ca- um, camp and it exists very comfortably in that yeah. like Evil Dead 2013 space that is like, it takes itself seriously um and it is presented in a way that is like we're just here for the scares like this is genuinely scary we're not chopping hands off and saying groovy when we put a chainsaw on them um do we do we get some of that camp maybe a little bit um but uh the perfect amount i'd say it still like finds a nice balance between the two. And I think that's really wonderful. It, it kind of gives me the vibes of the peak of eighties slasher horror. Oh, and, and yeah. And, and with that, like a little bit of that blend of like monster horror, which is essentially like evil dead was part of the peak of eighties monster horror. Yeah. To talk more about the, the, I guess like story structure of this, 
there were a lot of really cool, I guess you would just call them fake outs, misdirects, both in the cinematic language as well as the like the very literal story structure. So there would be shots that uh, felt really ominous and they may be foreshadowing certain events or ultimately led to nothing but a state of heightened tension in that moment. And similarly, there are a couple plot points that are like brought up and discussed among the characters and then subverted in a way that feels organic and natural, not like lazy and frustrating. Yes. Um, this, this movie did that thing where it sets up quite a lot of what's to come before there's any threat or danger and it all does come from places of just like everyday ordinary things that you might find in your apartment or in the parking garage below your apartment. Um, so you might end up watching this movie and see something that seems totally innocent as the camera passes it by. And then whoops later, it's got uh, some pretty deadly and spooky um, applications tied to it. Um, yeah. I, I, I quite enjoyed that. Like, us again as film nerds like seeing something being like hey, hey you know what's gonna happen with that later um and then sometimes they the the filmmakers like they they were thinking about us too and the way that we thought that thing was about to be used uh wasn't yeah and i think that that's a thing that that will make that movie really fun to watch for somebody who loves horror films because you love horror films you've probably watched a bunch of them and if you've watched a bunch of them you know the tropes you know what to expect relatively this is a movie that can not only catch um the people who watch horror movies casually those casual horror movie fans filthy um, casuals right um or just people who don't watch horror movies and you just want to watch a fun scary movie one night you pick this movie and uh you might have someone who's really good at predicting things in films and other circumstances they might try to use those skills here and like oh, i don't know what's going to happen with that it's going to catch them off guard it's going to catch that classic horror movie off um fan off guard because they're used to those tropes and then they use them here in a way and they specifically want to um catch you off guard and have you thinking comfortable that like feeling comfortable that like, Oh, this is what's going to happen. This is how this is going to play out. And then the filmmakers just, no, no, it's not. Guess again, nerd. Yeah. Hope, hope you're ready to be scared. <laughs> yeah. We, uh, not to belabor this point too much, but there was a, a point where you and I were trying to like resident evil strategize our way out of the plot. We were thinking like, all right, here's what they're going to do. And it was all using pieces the movie set up for us. Yes. And then it just pulled the rug out totally. <laughs> it was like, nope, never mind. There were some like very clearly defined rules. Um, just as like you go back to like old school Evil Dead and uh, well, we got we to gotta get out of the cabin. To get out of the cabin, we got to get in the car and drive away. To be able to drive away, we got to cross a river or a bridge. And unfortunately... The, the river is flooded so high that we can't cross or the bridge has collapsed and we can't cross a chasm. You know, something is preventing us from leaving and we're just in a high rise building in the middle of a city. Like, why can't we go someplace else? They put a lot of roadblocks that are very feasible and make a lot of sense. Um, and now you're starting to think like, okay, what do we do? And, and they do present like that method of getting through just like with the previous ones, you got to do this, 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 and this to get the heck out um so to speak and then you as the viewer start thinking the same way too like okay so how would i go about doing that you know in your own head right if i was a character in this film what would i do and um 
It turns out that that is also a part of the subversion because uh, those things may not be possible. It may not work out that way. And in this movie, it very much doesn't. Right. Um, it, it turns a direction that I don't think either of us anticipated initially. Um, and as it but was it made playing so out, much sense, the second it happened, you're like, oh, duh. Yeah, <laughs> like of course. And, and and the way that it played out was like, oh, that's super. I didn't think they'd do that. Okay, and I, I think that's really refreshing to see in a movie that like this is the fifth uh, Evil Dead movie, isn't it? Um, yes, that's right. So it is um, something that could be very easily done very well as in like a well done steak you know it's not that tasty it's kind of rough to chew and you're like ah, you know i like it but it's just it doesn't have like the, the the flavor or the juiciness of the stuff that came before it when it was was like not as well done evil dead rise isn't well done it's 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 medium rare it's good it's tasty um that's a terrible analogy for a movie like this <laughs> but um it's bloody it, it medium rare I think yeah. it's just rare. Oh, very, very much bloodier. But um, it is the kind of movie that could very well be um, overdone. It could be um, just kind of like, eh, I know it's going to happen. Eh, it's another one of these. And this, thankfully, isn't that. It feels refreshing whether you're watching it as the first Evil Dead movie or as the fifth. Well, to speak to your point about like the isolated nature of the settings of these movies, I was thinking about like if I had one criticism to make, it would maybe be that the movie kind of writes itself an easy out as to not take full advantage of the Evil Dead in a City premise. Um, and that is so this is going to be very, very slight spoilers here that I'm going to define spoilers, anything you don't explicitly see in the trailer. So this is just like a piece of world building that is not in the trailer. The building that this family lives in is like run down and is set to be demolished in a month. And so that is kind of like the excuse in the in world reasoning why uh, there's not a lot of neighbors in the building and why they're they're The building is maybe not nearly close to being like or isn't anywhere near full occupancy. Um, and and it, so it felt like it was just kind of an excuse to not have a lot of neighbors and keep the scale relatively small, despite the urban setting. Um but then I thought about it and I thought, well, that's actually kind of genius because they took Evil Dead, put it in one of the biggest cities in the U.S. and still isolated everyone. Lee Cronin was having his cake and eating it, too. It's Evil Dead in a city. They might as well be on a cabin in the middle of the wilderness. Uh, and so I ended up coming back around and going like, no, that's genius. That's such a good way to do Evil Dead in a city. Because it, we even talked about this after. You can't go too big because at a certain point, it's just I mean, it's that scene they teased at the the last episode of Ash versus Evil Dead, where it's like, if you do deadites in a city center, that's the end of the world. Yeah, essentially, um, the 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 idea of like a Kandarian demon getting out of that isolated environment. It's it's the thing. It's yeah. the thing survived Antarctica and made itself uh, made its way to the mainland. And is it going to take over the world? Yes. Yes, yeah, it will. Undoubtedly. Yeah. <laughs> Same with the Evil Dead. It makes its way to like a room of 100 people. Absolutely. All of them yep. will succumb. So, uh, no, yeah, I think it is a thing that like, you have to be in an isolated setting for these movies to work unless you're going to go through that large scale, uh, large scale. And if you're going to that kind of large scale, you're just doing Army of Darkness and it's it's in the city, baby. Yeah. 
Uh, the last thing I want to say, and this is obviously going to be very vague for a reason, but if you are like us and you are familiar with the evil, evil dead mythos in the franchise, uh, the, there's obviously some good fan service. How could there not be, but it never feels too much because I do think evil dead kind of exists in that sweet spot where this movie is relatively standalone. You don't need to have seen any of the evil dead movies to enjoy this one, but if you have seen them, you're in for a treat. And specifically, I'll talk about this in our spoiler section, but they do like a pretty decent expansion of the lore that it's very subtle, but the implications it introduces, I'm very much looking forward to seeing how they explore that more. I I would say that, yes, I think that um, this being the fifth Evil Dead movie, I believe that those subtle expansions could potentially allow for more evil dead franchise down the road. And for a franchise that seemed like really tied to Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell, um, it is incredibly great to see that, uh, it can also do well and survive in the hands of others. And you don't necessarily need those two for as wonderful of artists as they are, uh, to make evil dead thrive. Great. Uh, do you have anything you want to add before we head to the sauce? Absolutely not. Okay. Well, on that note, we'll head to the sauce. But first, this is exciting. We have to take a quick break for this week's sponsor. Michaela, if you don't mind just putting in the sponsor music right here. So everyone knows we are now in the sponsor. And I'm going to read the copy. This week's episode of Surprise Mechanics is brought to you by dirt bikes. That's right. Dirt bikes. Tired of riding on that grimy, stinky pavement? P.U. Or should I say... Me too. That's why I made the shift from my traditional motorbike to one designed for off-road use. Now, Michaela, I saw Devin, you know Devin, the truant youth who likes to hang out in the old tilt yard where they used to hold jousting competitions behind the Elder Castle? Well, I saw Devin riding his dirt bike down there, spraying dirt and other viscera into the air, and I called out to him several times uh, because it was quite a loud machine and inquired about his dirt bike and at first he just replied wouldn't you like to know podcast boy before doing a series of donuts in the crusted earth but after a few more attempts and threats of snitching we came to an agreement and he let me ride that sucker and Michaela I gotta tell you soaring across the old jousting pit the wind whipping through my hair and the memories of tourneys long since forgotten flooding my brain I just knew I had to get a dirt bike of my own my thoughts were so consumed with the dirt bike that I didn't even notice the spirit of the yard master had materialized in front of me I swerved out of the way, mistaking him for a living body, and was so immensely impressed by the responsiveness and handling of the aforementioned dirt bike that it was all I focused on as I collided into the loam below and sunk into unconsciousness. When I awakened, there was only one thought coursing through my brain. Whether it's sand, gravel, water, mud, or even snow, a dirt bike is the tool for the job. Dirt bikes know no roads. They know no masters. They only know the sweet taste of freedom. Let your hopes soar with the roar of a dirt bike's engine as you chase your bliss. Dirt bikes... They're like motorcycles, but different. What was that? <laughs> that was this week's sponsor. <laughs> I didn't know about this. Yeah. Yeah. They re- dirt bikes reached out to me and wanted to get some airtime. <laughs> Just dirt bikes. Yeah, dirt dirt bikes, bikes incorporated. Dirt bikes. Yeah. <laughs> All right, folks, welcome to The Sauce, where we'll give this movie our final recommendation. Michaela, do you recommend Evil Dead Rise? You know, I would have to be a Kandarian demon to say no. I'd also probably have to be a Kandarian demon to say yes, and that's not really helpful. So, uh, yeah, I recommend Evil Dead Rise. I I do as well. It's fun. It's it's scary. 
Yeah. I, 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 go ahead. I, I covered my eyes a few times. Not much. I still saw like everything, but like I was like, ah, yeah. As I mentioned in our episode on Evil Dead 2013, uh, I was introduced to the franchise with that movie. So I came to this franchise really late in the game, which, by the way, that movie was 10 years ago. I don't want to I don't want to right? cause you to spiral, but that movie's a decade old now. Uh, Gosh, it felt like it was only five years old when we did the, the episode of the podcast on it. Yeah, right. And I've since gone through and watched all of the Evil Dead, and uh, I definitely have an inclination towards horror Evil Dead more than the comedy slapstick stuff. But I love both. And uh, part of the reason I was so tickled you mentioned Ash vs. Evil Dead so early is... You know, if I if I had to rank these movies, if you made me Ash versus Evil Dead probably makes my top three. I would include it in that and and put Ash versus Evil Dead up there. I love that show. And I love this movie. I haven't stopped thinking about it. I want to see it again. Uh, I'm a little nervous to say this because I don't want to I don't want to infuriate some folks uh, because confession time. I've only seen Army of Darkness once and that was last year. Uh, and. I know that movie is beloved and it is a great movie, but since I don't have that nostalgic connection for it, Evil Dead Rise might be my new favorite Evil Dead movie. Uh, don't quote me on that. Let's come back to that at Spooky Mechanics. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's reasonable and and your your opinion is valid and it is yours to have. Um, you know, if we're if we're talking about rankings right now, because I I, I was introduced to Evil Dead a long time ago. And Evil Dead 2 or Army of Darkness were the first experiences I've had with this franchise. I can't remember which, honestly. That's how far back it goes. But I, I think Evil Dead 2 is my number one still. Um, and, and it's probably partially fueled by nostalgia uh, because it was one of the first that I saw. And it is so, so wacky. <laughs> it's incredibly fun and um they're all I just, great I, I always get a get a laugh out of it and have a grand time and then of course army of darkness is up there because it's it's wonderful and it's a continuation of that um i really enjoyed the 2013 evil dead film more than i thought that i would because again you go back to 2013 and in that kind of uh that decade and even where we're at now, remakes, reboots, they're still very much a very common thing. And it's really hit or miss. Sometimes you get a very solid reboot remake. Sometimes you get something that just doesn't quite get the source material to begin with. And I think the 2013 film did a fantastic job. And it's transitioned from a more campy horror to a straight up horror is well-deserved. It's, it's honestly a monster concept that should be explored with some serious uh um tone and evil dead rise is way up there on my ranking as well i i struggle to put a number to it because each of these pieces of this franchise have just entertained me so proficiently so i i just i can't think of which ones i know evil dead 2 is at the top because it's it's one of the first and it's just i can always go back to it and have a wonderful time it's like a comfort show or a comfort movie to me but um the rest i have no clue how to rank them because they're all so great so what we're saying is go see evil dead rise in a theater this is the most fun i've had well just seeing john wick 4 in a theater recently was also very fun so I don't want to say it's the most fun I've had in the theaters recently, but it was a great time. 
it was it was a blast to see in in a pretty full theater. Uh, shout out to the goths. <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, so on that note, I think let's let's have some fun here. Let's get into some spoilers. You yeah. heard that. If if you haven't seen this movie yeah. and you want to see it and you don't want it spoiled, then this is where you quit the episode and you come back after you've watched that movie. Because if you spoil it after this point, that's on you. That's right. So <laughs> no, not trying you. to be really harsh or anything. No, I just they need to, to hear it. Don't apologize. Sure, they need you know? to hear that. They need that. Uh, you're you're still welcome here, even if you don't want the movie to be spoiled and you want to watch it. But honestly, we're just we're just giving you a fair heads up that if you do stick around, you're gonna get spoiled. Okay, and I think that's probably long enough. If you're still here, <laughs> be careful. You might get spoiled if <laughs> yeah. you don't if you don't stop listening. I'm just okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we get it. <laughs> so, uh, I want to start with addressing two criticisms actually that I saw when I was trying to. This is when I realized I didn't have anything bad to say about this movie because I was like trying to, you know, put be, you know, put an honest effort in and see like what people maybe didn't love as much. And two, so the, the sour would essentially be that there is no sour in the sweet and sour yeah, candy. The sour was that it ended. <laughs> it's like <laughs> and I was like, oh, I want more immediately. Um, OK, so the one piece of criticism I saw is that the movie does nothing to add or enhance to the evil dead canon. Comically false. Absolutely untrue. Uh, and this is what I was teasing earlier in the episode. Uh, well, before I even get to that, I just want to say, I would argue that just by this movie existing and being good, it it adds to the canon. Like, it adds to the Evil Dead legacy because this movie is good on its own merits. But the thing I was teasing earlier in the episode it, about, like, the, the Evil Dead lore is if you really want to get into the weeds, this movie expands upon a plot point introduced in the Army of Darkness, and it confirms that there are three volumes of the Necronomicon. So, uh... It's a little bit hazy. Like there's the volume, obviously Ashley Williams had. The second volume, I guess, would be maybe the one we saw in 2013. And then the third volume is the reason this movie can exist. So now without like a clear um, explanation, I was also thinking while sitting in the theater watching this movie that one of those Necronomicon books could be the Ashley Williams Necronomicon and then the other would be, of course, the Necronomicon found in Evil Dead Rise. Um, but thinking of the 2013 Evil Dead as a reboot slash remake of Evil Dead, I I, I I wonder if it's the same as the Ashley Williams one. It, again, yeah. we're, we're getting into the weeds here, and it's not really con constructive because again there's not enough clarification it's that kind of contribution to the lord that is um light enough that it's not going to turn away any people who haven't seen any of these movies before and it's just enough to give people who do know what's going on uh some kind of easter egg to, to tell them like hey we might be doing more of this if you like it so that's kind of fun yeah and and but so the 2013 part of the fun with that was that it was revealed late in the movie that it's like a surprise sequel. It's like half reboot or half remake, half sequel. But that was before Ash versus Evil Dead came out and Ash versus Evil Dead is now kind of made the canon all screwy. So you could be right. We could have only seen two of these volumes and the third one is still out there somewhere. Or I, I prefer that, to be honest, as much as I love Evil Dead 2013, I would rather there still be a mystery one out there for them to do whatever they want with. Um, but we'll see. Uh, the second piece of criticism I saw uh, that I would like to acknowledge is that the cabin scenes that bookend this movie uh, 
were either just there to set up sequels or because an executive somewhere said we need to have a scene in the woods. I'm not sure I agree with the latter point. It kind of feels like this movie, it really feels like they kind of let Lee Cronin make whatever he wanted to make. Uh, and and so I, I don't even know how much it's that 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 executive thing is just pure speculation. Like, I don't know what there is to do with that. Uh, but as for the setup sequels critique, who cares? Scenes were really good. <laughs> uh, and as you mentioned earlier, the first one is worth it alone because it has an incredible title card reveal. Maybe the best ever. Uh, so that alone makes that scene amazing. Also, I mentioned earlier, there's like great callbacks and fake outs in this movie. Uh, the final scene, the final uh, uh, scene that is like the bookend of the same characters we see in the first scene is uh, a callback to the original Evil Dead, which is great. And this movie opens with a drone shot mimicking the Evil Dead shot. It flies over like a shallow creek into like a larger lake. And then you see a character on a dock. And before I could even lean over to Michaela to go, yeah, I guess drones make the Evil Dead shot easier, huh? It's revealed it is just a dude flying a drone <laughs> in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of those instances too where the sound design really sells that moment uh because that cut from the evil perspective shot to the drone is just a complete drop in sound effects down to like okay here's what actual natural sound in that scene would be like and it's yeah it's a very like light moment right before everything gets very gory and very spooky um and i want to go back to the to the cabin bookends like the criticism of that i don't get at all because when you look at these movies they all historically take place in an isolated setting typically a cabin in the woods i think that having that bookend is a really wonderful way to acknowledge like the roots of these movies and like we're going from the settings that they were born in and we're taking that and we're shifting it someplace else it's almost like lee cronin put those bookends in there to remind us like this is what you're watching but we're just gonna transplant these pieces and put a different wallpaper around them and you're gonna see that it still works so there's a lot of life in this franchise still and the subtitle uh, that appears on screen after the first one, one day earlier, I mean, I think I was thinking, how does this connect to the prologue of the film for maybe about 15 minutes? And then that thought was just completely gone from my mind. And I was there in the, in the high right. rise. Other and stuff my to attention, worry about. <laughs> my attention was fully given to everything happening in that high rise. And then when we finally came back to the reason why it said one day earlier, well, I was like, oh, neat. I totally forgot that this was the thing that we had to resolve. And the fact that I did, I think was actually kind of pleasant because I wasn't trying to figure out the whole movie. Like, how does this take us back to the cabin in the woods the next day? Um, but it is a nice little way to show that, no, you can give the Evil Dead a different wallpaper. And it still works. Absolutely. Absolutely. There is, um, there is a fun little fact that I want to share with you right now regarding evil dead rise and that is like we have a really small cast it's a small scale film but uh, there's a very special cameo in this movie that i did not realize until um much later but uh we have um a scene in the movie where um our our dj child uh is he he's discovered all of these ancient relics and decided foolishly 
to explore them and uh, read through and play vinyl records from hell. Oh, it's a good call. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, you're always supposed to do that. If you play a vinyl record from hell and it doesn't immediately play the only one they fear is you, then you might need to put that back. <laughs> so while this uh, kid is like playing this record uh, and the priests are talking about the Book of the Dead and, you know, they should translate it. There's this arguments going on in the background, like someone who was just hanging around in, in the uh, the temple with a microphone for some reason. <laughs> and... Um, there is a voice that says it's called the book of the dead for a reason. Apparently that's Bruce Campbell and Lee Cronin um, has stated that Campbell, he had Campbell voice this role intentionally uh, because he considers it to be a time displaced Ashley Williams. Uh, so Ashley Williams shows up in evil dead rise. Yes. I read, I was going to mention that as well. And now we do have to give a shout out to Wikipedia. Thank you, Wikipedia. Uh, for that because i did not catch that either and i was like oh what a blessing i'm so happy bruce campbell's in this thing yeah i mean i think it's to the degree of which bruce campbell would like to be involved in evil dead where he could be potentially credited as a producer and not uh drenched and soaked right. in fake blood <laughs> yeah. other actors can do that now and i think he's very happy with that it was, the, it was the thing where like when when they canceled Ash vs. Evil Dead and he said that he was going to retire from the franchise because he's just so sick of being covered in fake blood, one part of my heart was, I feel you, buddy. Like, that has to be, you know, intense work and not everybody could do that. But then on the other part of my heart was just pain that I would not be able to see that Ash vs. the Apocalypse portion of that show. So, um... I, again, if that's what we get of Ashley Williams in the Evil Dead universe, um, I, again, that kind of reinforces this whole like um, sort of sequel stuff. And uh, you still get a little bit of the king. Yeah. Hell to the king, baby. I also shout out to Wikipedia. I read this. Bruce Campbell also helped uh, do Foley for the movie because there's a scene uh, where a character gets, uh, I believe it might be the eyeball scene, which I don't want to. I don't want to get into it just because I want to leave that for people. But there's a scene where someone loses an eye and there's a crunch sound. And apparently it was Bruce Campbell eating an apple over Lee Cronin. And they set up the mic <laughs> and just Bruce Campbell <laughs> munching on this apple furiously. <laughs> oh, that is, that's wonderful. I, I, I appreciate that a lot. And speaking of, I also had a note about Bruce Campbell here. Uh, he has said that they expect to make Evil Dead movies like sooner than once in a decade now. Oh, oh, well, if this one was a success and as of this recording, this one has already doubled its money. So like this one was a success already. Uh, so um, as long as they stay this high quality, I'm great with that. You know, and I think part of the reason this franchise is still still has a lot of legs is because Bruce Campbell and then the Raimi brothers are very much involved uh, and they're plotting out where they want the franchise to go. So I know he's retired. He has said he would they would maybe finish Ash versus Evil Dead in animated form, which I'll Ooh. take what I can get. But I would sure love if we could collectively, gently, I say this with love because Bruce Campbell is not a man to be bullied, but if we could bully him into getting uh, the crossover with Mia from Evil Dead 2013 that they teased that has now fallen through the cracks, and that was his final send-off to Ash Williams, that would make me the happiest happiest Evil Dead fan. Yeah, I I, I would love to see Ash on the screen again, but... I'm also happy with seeing more Evil Dead films in general. Absolutely, and and like you said, if they keep up that quality, um, 
I, I, I would love to see more in my lifetime because they're they're very fun and entertaining horror films. They always find a way to make me laugh while also just simultaneously like full body cringe. So um, they're so good. I, I, I would I would welcome more. Uh, they, they're wonderful. And this is we even talked about this right after the movie. A sequel with Beth and Cassie would be great, especially if they did like a bit of a time jump. and We had like an older Cassie. Yes. Cassie is the youngest daughter in this movie. Uh, seeing her like the trauma of, of this right <laughs> happening to her. That would be interesting. Yeah. I, I was thinking as we left the theater that like, what would a movie about like this child and her experiences be like? Because like there is no kid um, of any age leaving this scenario without some like serious, serious trauma. Um, so of course, like that kid is going to have to talk to a therapist and, you know, just kind of like deal with all of the extra energy and effort it'll take to live a normal life after witnessing everything that just happened Yep. Um, and surviving. So, um, no, yeah, absolutely. We could do a direct sequel to Evil Dead Rise. We have those two characters. Um, but, I mean, as Lee Cronin has masterfully uh, displayed, you can take the Evil Dead tropes and formulas and take them out of the, the cabin in the woods um, paint a different wallpaper around them and it still works. So I would be happy to see those characters again. I would also be happy to see some new unsuspecting fools discover a book of the dead and un- like not realize you're not supposed to read from it. You're not supposed right. to open that book. It looks gnarly as heck, but don't bother with it. It's not a, it's not worth your time, but Hey, there wouldn't be a movie otherwise. I do kind of love Ashley Williams being the only recurring deadite slayer. Like there is something awesome about like, no, everyone's a new, new group of people. Uh, and then maybe you eventually like, I don't know. I I don't want to go all MCU with it because the MCU effect is strong and, and cinema. Nick Fury shows up and asks Ashley Williams to join the initial, the Avengers initiative. Asks mama deadite to join the Avengers initiative. And she just claws his throat out. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but like, it would be kind of sweet to have a movie where potentially a bunch of them, you know, maybe don't share the whole screen together the whole time, but there's like a little bit of a scene where Beth comes back or something. I don't know. I trust they'll do it right. That's my point with this whole thing. Whatever they want to do, I'm on board. I don't, I, I would I love to see more Beth and Cassie? Yeah. Would I watch the next one regardless? Also, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think as long as like studios aren't being too involved, I think yeah. with um, the Raimi brothers and Bruce Campbell, you probably have a decent firewall between like movie studio executives like doing dumb things because those guys know what they're doing, like you said, and they continue to just put out banger after banger of a movie. Um, I'm sure that they see the talent here. This is Lee Cronin's second film, and uh, it's it's wonderful. And so if he does the, the next one, uh, that could be grand. If it's passed on to somebody else of uh, substantial talent to do it, uh, the sixth film, that could also be really good. Um, I think uh, it's incredibly awesome to see a franchise that started as a bunch of dumb kids making stuff with super eight film, uh, in the eighties turn into what it is today. Yeah. Uh, can I give a shout out to what was the scariest moment for me? Let's go. So there's a lot of viscera in this movie. There's a lot of characters getting impaled and torn apart and screaming and vomiting. The scariest moment to me was when mother 
is fully a deadite. Uh, there's this, there's a scene in the bathroom where everyone is like kind of going, okay, mom is not mom anymore. And they're backing out from the bathroom into the living room. And there's just a close up of the doorway. And mom walks out and is looking right past the camera and just smiling. And uh, my tummy growled <laughs> and it's just smiling and it was silent and there was just a sense in in the theater we were in like i heard someone gasp and there was just a sense we were all like oh no like this is it's really starting now like we're doing an evil dead now it's that moment that the roller coaster r- rolls yep. over the apex of the hill and you're about to fall and you're yes and you're like oh i'm really doing this aren't i and <laughs> it was both like spine tinglingly scary but then i was also just like let's go <laughs> like i was so ready uh that was my 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 favorite moment of the movie i was trying to think of like an award name but i, I got nothing roman's favorite moment of the movie roman's favorite move a moment of the movie award goes to that one scene where mother comes out of the bathroom and it was really quiet and, <laughs> and it was scary it's gonna be written really small so we can all flit on the plaque Right, right. I uh, if we're talking about scariest moments, I think the, to me the scariest moment was. Um, I mean, it comes with the realization that the character Bridget is about to become a deadite, um, and uh, it really settled in as the scariest moment when she is crouching on the kitchen counter, facing the cabinets. As uh, Beth approaches to check on Bridget and we know what's going on. Are you okay? And all you hear is a singular crunch. Mm. And then she turns around to reveal that she has been eating glass. And it cuts to a close up after she takes a big bite out of a wine glass. And you see those shards just like sticking out of her throat from within. Ouch. Just yeah. a big ouch. It was it was just a very like it's, it's one of those like slow scares in the sense of like you see all of those details. There's nothing hidden from you. It doesn't jump out at you suddenly. It is a character slowly turning around to face the main character and then say, what up? Yeah. And they're doing something really grotesque to go with it. Um, absolutely like nerve wracking. It was one of the moments that I, I had to like put my hands up to my face. Cause I was just, I, I, I was, I don't know if I could handle it and I was getting ready if in, in case I couldn't. It was frightening. I believe I laughed and said, what are you showing me that for? <laughs> really? <laughs> that was that really? moment. I was like, come on, what are you doing? <laughs> really? There's, we've got food in the fridge. Yeah, there were so many moments in this movie. I just, I was just, I just resorted to cackling. Like, what do you want from me? <laughs> just, okay. <laughs> uh, uh, I also really enjoyed the elevator possession scene. It's a cool nod to the infamous tree scene uh, that does away with the less less great moments, less less desirable moments of that scene. We've talked about it in our 2013 episode. I'd, I'd rather not spend a lot of time talking about it here. But it, it does away with, let's just say, the grossness of the tree scene without shortcutting the horror. And I would actually maybe make an argument that this was 
perhaps scarier than the possession scenes of old. The way they uh, show that uh, uh, Alyssa Sutherland's character is aware she's not alone in that elevator anymore. And she's hearing voices and then it all kind of starts happening. And, and there's a real moment where the the camera gets like really intimate and focuses on her when she kind of recognizes she's in very real danger. Uh, and that's one of really the last scenes of that character. Cause from that moment on, she's dead, a deadite. Yeah, it is. Um, it, it is essentially the moment too, that you realize, okay, mom is going to be the first mom is going to be the first to be possessed. And this is, I mean, there is something in that elevator with her. I think this movie probably communicated or displayed that in maybe the most proficient way that any of these have done before, because it generally feels like not like an invisible thing or it is just movie tricks for all of the influence on her pushing her around and, and just kind of like um, toying with her as she is frightened and stuck inside this elevator. It feels like there is something with mass mm-hmm. next to her, even though you can't see it. And it really made me feel um, like for the first time, uh, think act- actively like, okay, these are like Eldritch horror is beyond comprehension. You can't even see it. It's so beyond, beyond comprehension. And of course, like we've seen these many times before with other movies, but like it really sink like sunk in as far as, okay, this is what the experience is like. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, the really last, uh, um, this is not so much a spoiler, but I really hope this gets me back into evil dead, the game. Cause I haven't played that in many months. And if they did an evil dead rise update where either you get to play as a, like a, a an eight year old girl, <laughs> deadite mommy would be the big boss or the abomination from the end i think it's more likely to be deadite mommy but uh and then like an uh an an la map and then i would think it's probably beth would be the character yeah probably not the child (laughs) for for sure it would just be very funny that you you'd have the one character that would be well for her hitbox alone you'd probably probably there's like a meta strategy to use her because she's harder to hit yeah yeah it's it's odd job and she's got got staffney she'll kill you with staffney uh oh i remember what i was gonna say uh we talked about like things that are revealed in this movie and, and, and there's some really good fake outs and then other things that you kind of, the movie shows its hand and you're like, Oh, of course that's what you're going to do. I was kicking myself for not thinking they weren't going to work a chainsaw in when they show the chainsaw. I'm like, Oh, of course, what movie am I watching here? Like I really, they had me. I really thought there's probably not going to be a chainsaw on this one. I think it was incredibly clever though, because without giving away too much information, and this is even the thing that we got subverted on in, in the, in the 11th hour, at the very beginning of the movie, they show a truck with a wood chipper. Right. Which I knew that was coming. That's Chekhov's wood chipper. You don't yes. show me a wood chipper right. and not use it. 
someone's getting wood chipped. Yeah. Who is it? I don't know. I bet it's the but, Deadites. But it's, it's <laughs> that was me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's it was the kind of thing where like we both saw that like oh yeah, that wood chipper is getting used. No doubt. No no question about it. It's a matter of who's getting wood chippered. Is it going to be for like a cool kill against the character that we love dearly, or is it going to be something else? And and I think we initially thought it was going to be against the character that we loved dearly, but I think the inclusion of the wood chipper truck is a very subtle um foreshadowing to the fact that there are chainsaws abound yeah it's a tree cutting service yeah so like why would they have one yeah yeah as soon as they pan to it i'm like oh duh like come on of and, course and i think one of the things that make it really special is that there's an old man who's paranoid probably watches a lot of fox news with a double barrel shotgun in his in his uh, apartment so you get your boomstick too he seemed too nice for that though he seemed like That's a good true. neighbor. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> like, I might be a little bit harsh on him for that. We did chuckle at how quickly they they introduced these uh this cast of characters and then they're all just wiped out. Like and you're like, wow, that was fast. Oh yeah, there's um like it was like, what, three or four? Yeah. Um other characters on that level of the apartment building. And they're all killed in a single scene, just like, like a, in the minute of a, like probably two minutes, if if that. Yeah, it's a uh, it, it, in that that scene was awesome too, where it's like it's Cassie's looking through the peephole, and you just see mom running back and forth. Yes. What what, what did I tell you though? What did I tell you when we were watching? Uh, the Kandarian demon is sure as lucky that that book wasn't read in New York City, because you know who would be no match for mother in that hallway. Oh yeah, Matthew Murdoch, the daredevil himself. That's right, daredevil, daredevil would have put a stop to it. In, 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 invincible in any hallway no no he's very invincible he just would have simply talked her down he would, oh, well, yeah, he that, would that, have tried that, to he, and then if that didn't work he would have uh taken her ass to court <laughs> <laughs> i i genuinely want to see uh, uh like a marvel character versus evil dead crossover it'd probably be a comic book you know i think they <laughs> not, not shitting you here i'm looking it up they might have done a marvel zombies army of darkness comic yeah yeah they did because i just i just want to see what captain america does in response to a kandarian demon and and with a kandarian demon fighting against captain america who would win yeah because uh yeah there's there's a comic so you have your answer <laughs> oh uh, shit i remember i think i read part of it because marvel zombies really went off the rails uh and yeah there's apparently one where ash williams uh, is there hanging out? I might have to read this. Yeah, you might. And you might have to tell me who wins. <laughs> Wait a minute. I have read this. I'm Wikipediaing oh. the end of it and I'm remembering the finale. And it's funny because I would have read this years before seeing Army of Darkness. <laughs> so like Ash Campbell would just been like a guy to me. <laughs> oh, that's funny. It's just a dude with a chainsaw hand. Yeah. Okay. That's great. Okay, well, anything else you wanted to uh, say as far as spoiler talk goes, or should we close with our heated gaming moment? I, I think that um, this movie is excellent. You should go watch it, even if you decided to power through the spoiler sections, having not watched it, and now you've had the whole movie spoiled for you. Well, you know, we didn't do. That's why you know I, I, I was telling you like let's not do like a detailed plot breakdown because if anyone is still listening, like there, there's still plenty of surprises we haven't hit on. It, it, it is about the journey and not the destination, and we've solely talked about some of the destinations here which are wonderful and and effective absolutely so let's close out this episode like we always do with our heated gaming moment 
I will go first. My first ever going first on the I believe game so. moment. Wow, this is a big moment for you. Uh, I'm proud of you. Yeah, I've 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 always like deflected and decided to let Roman go first because you know I always get to this part of the show and I'm like, ah, oh, dang it, I forgot to figure out what mine was. No, it's because you're so giving. Don't tell on yourself. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's because I'm so generous and so giving, and I want Roman to ter- share his stories first. Anyway, my heated gaming moment is uh, I moved, and I am a new in a new apartment with a new friend. And, um, well, not new, kind of like a friend for a few months now, um, almost a year. So like not quite new, but a new apartment. And that's wonderful. I, I don't know why I'm getting into the semantics Let's of this. Let's quantify I'm just your rambling. friendship a little bit more. <laughs> oh yeah. 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 It's, it's, <laughs> you see, I've been friends with you for this long and friends with you for that long. So therefore somewhere in the mathematical equation, you know what I was thinking about for real this summer, you and I will have been friends for 10 years. Yes, that that is true. Um, we met during the 2013 Evil Dead film, mm-hmm, the year right. that it was released. Yeah. So that that is the the origin story of uh, Surprise Mechanics for you. We didn't meet at the movie. I I shouted. It jumped out of my seat so loud I landed in your lap like Scooby Doo. Yep, that's exactly what happens. <laughs> that's how it works. Um, but no, I I am I'm loving my new apartment. I have a nice little setup here, and uh, my part, the heated part of my gaming moment is that we haven't finished unpacking yet, and we've been here for two weeks, so um, we're slowly chipping away at it. And uh, I I'm so excited to see what this place will be like. Uh, and so all of my friends listening, Matthew Rayo, um, Chan Stuffy, if you want to come to to Dayton anytime and stay the night, I've got a place for you to stay (laughs) that's right cool uh well so for mine did you know they made a tetris movie or for real yeah it was an apple tv movie came out earlier this year and it's it's the sort of true story of the real man hank rogers who basically got the rights to for like video game consoles for Tetris in Japan. And he is essentially the man who was responsible for getting Nintendo to package Tetris with the Game Boy at launch. And the rest is history. And this was the story is is quite interesting on its own. And it was popularized, I think, by video game historian on YouTube. I'm not positive because I haven't watched the video, but I do know somewhere out there is a video. And so this movie is like a the the you know <laughs> whatever the equivalent of a triple a video game triple a movie uh story of that and kind of a weird movie to be honest it was uh so like i said the story of tetris is interesting enough where where basically this man who uh was living in japan with his wife and kids at the time but he was dutch american i think uh he had to go to russia at the height of the cold war and secure the rights from the USSR, the government. And uh, the beginning of this movie was pretty strong because it, it it basically just opens with uh, uh, Taron Egerton plays Hank Rogers and he's really charismatic and good. And he is just telling this story to the bank manager of how he discovered this game called Tetris at a trade show and has spent the money he owed the bank to buy the rights to Tetris and now needs an even larger check because him and his wife's company are going to start publishing Tetris for Nintendo, ideally. And uh, it's really well acted. He's really charismatic. And there's all these cool animations like spliced in with the live action stuff, like blocks falling behind him as he's talking about Tetris, uh, things like that. But then the movie really takes a turn 
when you get out of the first act and basically once he gets to the USSR because the like the portrayal of the Russian government is like so comical and like all the espionage stuff is so like half baked that it just it's just is really not interesting. It's like the real story was so much more interesting and all that stuff was like played up for Hollywood. For example, there's a reveal late in the movie that one of the characters is a KGB agent and it's meant to be a big shock. But in reality, Hank Rogers was like, yeah, I knew they were KGB. Of course they were KGB. Like I didn't care. I wasn't there to do statecraft. I'm here to get Tetris. Every Russian movie has a KGB agent. It's just, well, not Russian movie. Every movie with Russians in it has a KGB <laughs> right. agent. It's just fact. Yeah. In Soviet Russia, blocks clear you, they said. And, uh, but, uh, and, and then, well, and then what's even more bizarre, though, is then, like, there is one scene with Gorbachev in it. And Gorbachev is portrayed as really nuanced, actually. And, like, his, like, one scene, you're kind of like, okay. And then, and it just felt like to me, the movie needed, they felt like they needed a villain, but they didn't know who to make it. But then there's these other two characters that are very natural villains in the movie and, and arguably are villains in this movie, but they're both like cutthroat barons of industry. And it felt like they were like, well, we don't want these two businessmen to be the bad guy. We'll have it be the USSR. And, and the whole movie's just a mess. And even if you don't look at it like through that lens, it's just the spy stuff is just so half-baked and not interesting that it was just, I was let, I was let down by Tetris. It's a really strong start, but not great. Classic. You know, I, 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 I heard you say this was an Apple TV movie. And when you said that, I thought, oh, yeah, that makes sense. It's an Apple TV movie. And before you got into the minutia of the plot for this film, I legitimately thought it was a video game film adaption of Tetris the game. That would be sweet. And from what it sounds like, that would have been the better film. Yeah. I mean, there's potential in this thing. And again, it's just it's a shame because the the parts that really fell flat were the parts that were fictionalized. It's like you could have just told the real story. And like, uh, uh, for example, one of the parts that is I think they played up the drama a little bit in the movie, but this actually happened was basically Hank discovers he was lied to. This person who sold him the rights to console in Japan doesn't actually own the console rights, which means this person kind of swindled the Russian government because the Russian government's like, what are you talking about? We never sold console rights. And basically it came down to this man bought the home computer rights and was kind of you know, doing a little bit of jargon to be like, well, the Nintendo Entertainment System is a computer. And so Hank actually helped the Russians explicitly define what a computer is in a new contract to this guy, which the Russians were like grateful for because it helped them. And then they sold Hank the, the PC rights. So like that moment was actually cool and interesting. And that happened. So I'm like, the, the stuff that happened was cool and interesting. Interesting. Yes, that's Tetris. All right. Well, I think that'll do it for this week's episode. Thanks for listening, everybody. And until next time, if you find any strange books bound with uh, leather and, and with teeth on the spine, or you find an old bank vault under your basement, don't don't go rooting around in there. Just leave it be. Yeah, leave it be. Don't don't touch it. Don't even call like the authorities. Just bury it again. Yep. That's none of your business. Whatever you find yeah. in there is none of your business. Don't, don't mess with that.